Hey, welcome back to Action Action, the podcast that watches all the action movies and they all go on our big list. That's incredibly subjective. And uh, this is episode 144. And this week on the podcast, we watch Broken Arrow. So I'm John and with me as always is Dustin. Hey. And James. Hey. And we have a special guest this week. We have Chuck from Chuck Goes to the Movies podcast. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about your podcast before we get into into ours? Absolutely. So, uh, as you said, uh, my podcast is Chuck Goes to the Movies, and we talk about different films or filmmakers that have impacted our lives or influenced our love for movies. So I, I wanted to really stray away from just doing straight-up reviews, even though that's what we end up doing throughout the entire episode. But uh, we talk about the different things that really just stand out to us on these episodes, you know, whether it's going to be... Uh, scenes, plot lines, actors, actresses, uh, directors, things like that. Uh, what really draws us to these different movies and what makes them so special to us in any way, shape, or form and why they uh, end up on our list of rewatchable movies. Uh, so I may not necessarily like every movie we end up talking about. I always let, if I have a guest comes on, I always let them pick the movie. And if I don't like it, I give them the opportunity to try to change my mind about it. So for example, I had a guy come on and talk about um we were originally going to talk about hereditary and i love hereditary but i did not like the follow-ups uh midsummer and he's the guy who convinced me to try it again and gave me a different perspective on it and i did end up going and uh, watching it again and i fell in love with it so that's why we're going to talk about it in an upcoming episode so i feel like that episode was really the heart of what I was trying to do with this podcast when I started it. It's uh, people who love movies and just really want to give you a different view of this movie. And hopefully you, you can either agree with that view or find a new viewpoint on a movie you either love or hate. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That says that's a that sounds way more put together than our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just bullshit on here. Well, I yeah, mean, we I, just... if, if you listen to the episode, we end up bullshitting a lot too. Like my brother and I are yeah. the worst. I think we he and I have the longest episodes because we always end up just going on these tangents and stuff like that. But I th- I feel that's also the fun part of it too. I I I'm a structured person in my life. I've tried to make the podcast structured, but over time I've st- I've really realized that lack of structure is better. Because it makes for a more interesting episode. Yeah, it makes it fun, right? Yeah. I guess there's there's pros and cons in both columns, I suppose. Yeah. But that's cool. Okay. I, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the best thing about doing these podcasts, you know, the most fun thing, at least to me, is just having the conversations, right? And just uh, digging into these things, whether they're great or awful or whatever, but... Yeah, making fun of Dustin's nostalgia <laughs> for a movie. <laughs> I, I do love it. Uh, I'll, I just love talking about movies and what I really like about getting, uh, especially like my friends and family on, because these are the type of conversations we just have every day. And we're basically just recording them and giving them out there and letting the world hear what we talk about uh, and stuff yeah. like that. And then the beauty of the podcast, it, it was the thing I really didn't think about when I started this is the meeting new people fellow people like me who love movies and stuff like that that i think is the part that i've enjoyed the most is getting to know people just like y'all uh finding different uh, podcasts like yours um and really getting to do these collaborations because in the end we all have a love for movies um again whether they're great or awful yeah totally that's awesome uh cool so we usually start off the episode by talking about something that we watched or read or did that was like you know 
interesting or something that we actually hated. So I don't know. We'll start off with you, Chuck. Is there something that you watched that or found in pop culture that you loved or hated this week? Uh, this week, I haven't really had a lot of chance to watch anything. I did write a couple of things down, though. Um, uh, one of the things is, have y'all ever heard of the movie Big Trouble? It's back from 2002. Yeah, with Tim Allen. With Tim Allen, yeah. And like that whole cast, Rene Russo, Zoe Deschanel, all of them. I rewatched that movie for the first time. Uh this week is since probably when it first came out and i forgot how hilarious that movie is i actually watched it again the next day after re-watching it and then um i've been trying to get through umbrella academy season two um oh yeah nice yeah uh, i really enjoyed the first season and i've enjoyed what i've seen so far in this season i just i got to find more time to sit down and do it between my job and kids and the podcast i really haven't whole had a little whole lot of time and uh I did, I did read a whole book this last week, which is actually pretty amazing for me. Um, if y'all have ever heard of the Red Rising series, it's a sci-fi series by Pierce Brown. Pierce Brown. Yeah. Um, I just finished the third book of uh, the Red Rising trilogy, so that was that was an awesome book. So I can't wait to I, start I the next trilogy. I have them on my shelf, but I haven't re- haven't read them yet. But oh. uh, you'd recommend? Yes, highly recommend it. Great series. I call it. Star Wars meets Spartacus, and that's basically the entire premise of the story. So, yeah, I recommend it. I uh, cool. yeah, I'll have to maybe bump them up my uh, my list of things to read. Nice, James. Uh, I watched The Gentleman, so the Guy Pierce, Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie, or Guy. Damn. <laughs> I wish I, Guy Pierce was yeah, in Yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, so, you know, I thought it was not bad. I, I kind of wish it was more violent, personally, but uh, it's kind of like, a, I mean, all his movies are like this, but it's kind of like a Ocean's Eleven kind of movie, you know, where there's, like, so many things happening, and then what you thought was one way, and it's right. another way, and it's like a magic trick, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I thought it was pretty fun. I don't I don't think it was as good as his first couple movies, but uh, it was definitely a nice sort of return to form because he hasn't done much that I really liked since those old movies. But I mean, it was entertaining. Aladdin. Aladdin. No, oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about <laughs> I forgot about the live action Aladdin. Whoever would have thought that John Favreau and Guy Ritchie would be the live action, well, not live action, but like the CGI fucking disney guys at this point in their career yeah i mean if you had said that told me that a long time ago i don't think i would have uh, would have believed it yeah those are two names i would have never thought of yeah the guy who wrote and directed made <laughs> is now making like 250 million dollar blockbusters so he did the screenplay for oh no he directed a lot he directed a lot yeah he directed a lot what that's just weird and it I, doesn't look like a movie that he did it, like none of his yeah. trademarks are in there really yeah i mean that's the thing i don't get like why get a guy like guy Ritchie to do one of those remakes if you don't want you don't want anything like distinct or recognizable as being the style of that director because it's why? just safe yeah, I guess he can handle because he can handle a budget. He's willing to take it on. He can handle the actors and all that kind of stuff. Like he, he just has the experience to just be like he's going to be able to put out a safe movie that's not going to ruffle the feathers. Why not get, why not get like Ron Howard or somebody like that to do it? You think Ron Howard has, has his free time to do Aladdin movies? <laughs> he not? had free time to step in and do solo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dustin, what about you? Uh, I watched a couple interesting things. I watched this uh, this movie from 1967 called Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn. 
and it's like a single location uh, thriller where she is a blind lady living in this apartment and somehow this doll has ended up in her house that has heroin in it and these guys are looking for it and Alan Arkin is the villain uh, and they set up this sort of scam with three of them that come into her house and like they're they're running this sort of almost like play acting to sort of f- see if they can figure out where the doll is uh, or like trick her into t- them like telling them or something yeah and it's really really fucking good like Alan Arkin is so fucking good he's just like this super creepy I, I, I don't know how to explain it he's almost like a like a old hipster kind of dude but like a total creep um and he's just awesome in it and then uh it's really tense and just like i don't know i love a good single location movie when if you can make something really good and it all happens in like one room basically it's always really impressive to me so really enjoyed that uh and then the other thing i watched is this really weird post-apocalypse movie with don johnson from 1975 called a boy and his dog and it's such a weird movie with a really weird tone. He has, like, a dog that he has a telepathic uh, connection with. And it's, you know, way in the future, like a Mad Max-type setting. This is this predates Mad Max, actually, and I'm pretty sure it must have influenced it in some ways. But um, it's just very strange. Like, it's like com- it's comedic at times, but, like, dark. Um, just And then it gets really, really weird as it progresses. Like, it goes in some really strange directions that I didn't anticipate at all. Uh, so I thought it was really interesting. Uh, pretty fun movie. Really weird, fucked up ending to it. It ends on a really darkly comic note. So uh, I really enjoyed that as well. But it's a weird movie. I've heard of I've heard of like the book. Or yeah, I think the book I've heard of, but I've never watched the movie. Yeah, I would say check it out if you just want something that's like totally different from anything you've seen recently. Harlan Ellison novel. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's cool. You turned me on to a comic um, that I I started to read called Prez. Oh, you did start reading that, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Prez is put out by DC, right? Um, Which I thought was odd because it's not usually they would put that sort of thing out on one of their like sort of subsidiaries or whatever, or one of their like different branded labels. But yeah, it's pretty good though. It takes, it's about like this, uh, it's like, the future but not that far off future uh there's like this girl who ends up accidentally kind of becoming president yeah she's like voted on twitter to become president (laughs) and she's like a teenager she's voted on twitter as like a joke to become president and it's written in 2015 but like i don't know it feels very of the time it feels very like very right now doesn't it very right now and all there's all these corporations actually run everything but you never see their faces they're always hidden behind like an emoticon or whatever they're called it's written by mark russell so i haven't read any of his other stuff i don't think yeah i wasn't aware of him either but i just really enjoyed that unfortunately dc canceled it after that first volume's worth of issues it's really shame because it's very very good and you can't buy it anywhere yeah yeah it's sold out everywhere and then uh i started watching this uh the new season of the boys oh yeah Um, how's that it's pretty good i mean it's nihilistic and mean-spirited and (laughs) i don't know it's very (laughs) I don't know. It's it's kind of almost refreshing to watch something that is so the like the world is trash and it's not getting any better. Like I don't know, it feels it feels somehow more honest right now in these times. Yeah, 
but, but yeah, I gotta get on that, boys. I still haven't gotten around to the Umbrella Academy season two either, so I haven't watched that either. It's good so far. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, but like we should just roll right into our actual movie of the week. So, Chuck, this week we watch Broken Arrow. Let's just roll the trailer before we get into the film. Cool. They are America's first line of defense. Best of friends. Sorry, Captain. Snap of the earth. Here we go. Fierce competitors. Very nicely done. Almost as good as me. Ready to protect our nation against any threat. Carrying the nukes. You love having the power of God at your fingertips. Not tonight, buddy. But what if the enemy is one of them? What the hell are you doing? We got pilots down. We got ourselves a broken arrow. A broken what? what we call it when we lose a nuclear weapon. I don't know what's scarier, losing nuclear weapons, but that it happens so often, there's actually a term for it. The only thing more dangerous than what he knows. They believe they've got an exposed core. They gotta send in a nuclear emergency search team. By the time they find us, we'll be gone. Is what he's prepared to do. $250 million by 0900 Utah time. If you have not... Good God. I don't know what the big deal is. I really don't. But there's one thing. Smile, boys. We're about to retire. He didn't count on. I know his mind works. You gotta let me go after him. Outstanding, Hale. That's the spirit. Would you mind not shooting at the thermonuclear weapons? And what are we doing? If you enter the wrong code three times, the nuke goes dead. Unless, of course, I already thought of that ahead of time. You just activated a nuclear warhead, my friend. John Travolta. You lose. Christian Slater. You're out of your mind. Ain't it cool? Broken Arrow. A John Woo film. So, Chuck, this is your pick. Tell us, like, have you like what's your relationship with this film? Have you seen it before? Is it like a personal favorite? So I, I used to watch this film all the time as a kid, and re-watching it now, I kind of wonder why i liked it so much but uh we can get into that later I, I you know i can't actually say why i liked it a lot i mean it had a lot of great action in it and at the time as a kid i thought it had a lot of great little one-liners and stuff like that and you know i was a huge fan of Tr john travolta um at the time and then of course uh, had a huge crush on samantha mathis especially after she was in uh, super mario brothers as daisy so you know really i i really liked her so just having those two in this movie i could really care less about christian slater i'm not a huge christian slater fan but i could also uh, going back to john travolta i think he was the main draw in this film because i like any film where john travolta overacts so you can almost break john travolta films I'm going to say his name like that over and over. I'm sorry. John Travolta. You can uh, break his fil uh, films down into two categories. One's where he overacts and one's where he's actually subtle. And, you know, I feel like he actually does get into the part a little bit more or he doesn't try. I find them both into that category. So, like, movies where I feel like he overacts. This one, uh, Face Off. Wait, you get licking. You're hot. A Battlefield Earth. <laughs> oh, you're too much. And, uh you know, hairspray, but <laughs> hairspray is just full of overacting. Um, but some of his subtle ones, like a civil action. Have you ever seen a civil action? I never watched that one. Yeah. That's like something I would do with water. A long time ago. Maybe. Yeah. It's that one about, um, the lawsuit against, uh, I think it's, a. Uh, 
I think it was supposed to be against like PG&E or something like that, where uh, basically he's a lawyer who takes on a client. Uh, I if I remember correctly, her son died or is dying because of uh, bad water that he had been ta uh, drinking over the years. Yeah, the water's contaminated by like a. Um, I, I can't remember it. it they all, all these movies kind of run yeah. together. It's either like a Monsanto's type or like a yeah. Yeah, right. There Pharmaceutical was like a rain, company. The Rainmaker, that John Grisham one with Matt Damon. That oh, and then there's the uh, what's the one? The other John is it John Grisham? Runaway Jury. Right. Yeah. yeah. Man, I love that movie. That's a great like rainy day if it's on TV. I'm gonna sit down and watch Runaway Jury every time. Oh yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a TV that movie. Is, that is a good TV movie. Uh, that yeah. and First Wives Club. <laughs> That's a great nice. movie. Hey, I, you know what? I don't have anything against First Wives Club. If I find it on TV, I will stop and watch it. Um, Hell yeah, man. Uh, but other like subtle movies that he does, you know, um, Get Shorty or, you know, Be Cool. I feel like those are movies. The reason I call that subtle movies because I really don't feel like he's acting in those movies. I just feel like he's just being John Travolta. But um, so you can kind of see the comparison there. And if you rewatched Broken Arrow, you can just see like he's just really throwing everything out there all the just it's just really over the top his stupid little grins his little one-liners and his accent he has a southern accent through part of it but then it disappears throughout the yeah, other parts of the movie it just yeah it, it, was, it was just a really weird film but it's still a fun film to watch that's why i chose it. i mean it's it's the build-up to face off yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely this is the prologue yeah, just getting this you movie ready. Is yeah, nothing I mean, compared to Face Off. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what you're saying before, Chuck, is super accurate. Is like Travolta is really fun to watch in this movie. Slater, kind of, kind of boring, kind of vanilla. Not a very interesting protagonist in this. I, I felt like. Yeah, not, not really. really. Yeah, not a good vehicle for him. Is Christian Slater like a poor man's Ethan Hawke? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I mean, That's there's funny. certain things I've liked Christian Slater in over the years, but... Um, uh, cuffs? <laughs> cuffs Jump, jumps to mind. I was thinking of True Romance, but... Uh, Mostly Cuffs. But, yeah, he's just... There's not much interesting about him here. I, I will... I'll give him some credit. Have you ever seen the TV show uh, Mr. Robot? Yes, yeah. Yeah. He is good in that. And I, I appreciate his acting in that. But for the most part, he hasn't done a movie that has blown me away. I think I've really disliked him since the days of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Him and Kevin Costner are the two worst casting jobs in that entire movie because neither of them even tried to use a British accent. None of them tried to do anything. I feel like that was just definitely a paycheck movie. Oh, come on. Costner nailed that British, that British <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I haven't seen this in... Uh, quite a while now, but uh, I remember I, I'll date myself here and say that I saw it in the theater when it came out and really loved it back then. Uh, and but haven't watched it in a while. And by the time this came out, I was already like into John Woo because I had seen Hard Target. Now take your big stick and your boyfriend and find a bus to catch. Yeah, kind nice. Of that Hard Target. Uh, and then I had gone back and. I'd sought out and seen The Killer and, like, Hard Boiled. So by the time Broken Arrow came out, I was, like, hyped, like, yes, John Woo again here in America. Uh, so I was super into it when it came out. And, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not a masterpiece or anything. Uh, but I still had uh, a pretty good time watching it uh, on this this go-around. Uh, there's a lot to like, I think. Oh, okay. I'm excited to get to that. Because <laughs> did you watch a different... 
you watch a different cut? <laughs> yeah, I watched. I watched the super cut. Yeah. Is that James? Have you you've seen it before? Uh, yeah, I've seen it before. I think I think I've seen it like once or twice. I I think I remember it being on TV. I don't know, one of those TBS like, like Spike TV or some shit. Yeah, I mean, I always kind of thought it was boring. Uh, a lot of people seem to love this movie. I I'm kind of I don't really see it. I don't really get it, but. Uh, there's some elements there, but it's kind of like a weird, like before this is hard target and after this is face off. Yeah, it, so. gets, it gets a little lost in between. Oh, I mean, I mean, people like hard target, I don't think has a giant fan base. I mean, we love it. <laughs> no, that that movie fucks. Yeah. <laughs> that movie definitely fucks. That's yeah, it. No, I still film. think Hard Target is his best American movie. And I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'll I agree. That, I agree with you. It's me and you, mm. but against the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like I, I, I love Face Off. Yeah, I mean Face Off Face is so good. fun too, right? Face Off is so funny. Yeah, uh, and you I get, mean it's, it's just a bigger movie. Like feels like a bigger movie all around. Yeah. What I like about Face Off is actually Nicolas Cage, because I'm not even a huge Nicolas Cage fan. But I really felt like the beginning part of Face Off was his perfect moment to shine. How often do you get to see Nicolas Cage in a role like that where he gets to play the bad guy, but he was having so much fun playing the bad guy. You could see it. And I really feel like that made the movie right there. And then when they end up switching roles and John Travolta, of course, becomes the bad guy, you're just like, well, man, now this movie is just another action movie. But it also leaves so many questions. Yeah, I mean, I always love Crazy Cage, so... (laughs) Crazy Cage is the best. He is amazing in that. And that's the thing, actually. Like, we talked a lot about when we did Face Off. Like, James, you were not a fan of Travolta in that movie. No. Um, And I actually think he's more fun as the villain in this movie, in Broken Arrow. I think he's a lot of fun in this. Like, he's so goofy in it. I mean, he's got these really dumb, but I think amusing lines (laughs) throughout the movie. I mean, I I will disagree with you, though. I I think he's better as the villain in Face Off than he is. Really? You didn't like him in Face Off, as I recall? Uh, No, but I think he's even more overacting in Face Off and more ridiculous in Face Off, where this is, like I said, like this is the the beginning on his way to making Face Off. This was his practice run. Yeah, it's like he's trying out new things to see if it works or doesn't work. And then he went like next level bad over. Well, because I think in Face Off he's he has to try to match Cage's insanity, right? Whereas well, you here, can't. He's the, you, you can't know, match it guy. though. What's that? You can't. You match just can't Cage. match. <laughs> well, no. I know. So that's why maybe I like him here because he shines a little more on his own here. I think. Yeah, if you guys are discussing the fact that John Travolta is a two-time Oscar-nominated actor. Yeah. Yeah. So Nicholas Cage has won an Oscar. There you go. Nicholas Cage deserves all the Oscars. And Very true. Six Oscars. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he should get every Oscar there exists for the year Mandy came out. So what you gonna do with that thing? I'm going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil. I still have not seen that movie. Do you like um, psychedelic thriller type? 
action involving cults involving cults and drugs and really 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 big chainsaws i will give (laughs) anything a try at least once so now i i mean you just you you had me at uh drugs and cults and chainsaws so yeah i'll try it it's i love that it mandy's a fantastic movie so i saw that it was on shutter and i just need to go ahead and break down and get a shutter pass on amazon um should we go back and we didn't really do like the synopsis uh sort of of what broken arrow oh, is that's about a good point. oh okay yeah dustin why don't you do it uh i'll just read this one here um oh unless chuck are you ready to do it yeah yeah go ahead ben oh yeah if you no well, usually I ask, I ask the guest to do it. I didn't know if you... I didn't write down any notes on the synopsis, but I guess I could break it down real quick. Um, yeah, why don't you just go ahead then? Okay. Um, so basically the idea behind this film is that you've got two Air Force officers, John Travolta and Christian Slater, and uh, they, fly bom- uh, they fly bombers for their uh, career. Well, John Travolta is so fed up with what is happening with his career at the Air Force that he uh, he teams up with some terrorists and becomes a terrorist himself. He uh, plans on stealing two nuclear warheads from a run they're doing in their bomber, and he tries to kill off Christian Slater in the process but is unsuccessful. So now they're duking it out in the desert. Uh, Christian Slater's trying to stop John Travolta from... Uh, taking those warheads and uh basically selling them or holding uh i believe they're actually sending them to denver and uh holding the city ransom for you know some money and uh one of the bombs does go off but then they have to stop that last one from reaching its final point so you just got a lot of action intermixed with a lot of great one-liners and did i do it any justice yeah yeah i think so (laughs) something interesting Something interesting about the the plot of this film I'm just thinking about now is, um, so we've seen this this storyline like lots of times where we've got uh, a grizzled uh, someone who's been in the army or the navy or whatever for a long period of time, and they've become jaded. Jaded. They feel like they haven't been treated properly or that they've watched other, and then they have a whole rant against the government and. They did this to me and all that kind of stuff. This movie doesn't actually do that, I don't think. No, not really. I mean, it this kind is of, just straight up. He's kind of hints he's at it a couple psychotic. Times. Well, he he's psychotic, and they do actually allude to the fact that it's events that have happened to, in his career that have kind of pushed him over the edge. Finally, you know, he's been in for. I don't think he's quite hit the thirty-year mark, or maybe he has hit the thirty-year mark. I honestly can't remember. But you know, he talks about, and even Christian Slater's character reminds him constantly, like you've been passed over for promotion, for promotion, for promotion constantly, and you know he's just tired of the military bullshit the political game because no matter what you're in whether it's in politics military uh civilian sector there's always a game of politics that has to be played for anything to happen and he's just sick of that bullshit so that's what caught he's already psychotic there's no doubt about it he is psychotic but that's what i think what finally caused him to snap is the fact that he realized he's not going anywhere in his career He's got to be crazy, like full on crazy already, though, because it's not like I mean, the story, I mean, they do hint at that stuff, but it's Mm -hmm. not like um, it's set up in a really plausible way for us to understand why he has suddenly decided he's going to steal nuclear warheads. You know, like it's a usually big jump. Yeah, usually there's a a monologue of like, right, like he'd give a a big speech they give. Yeah. uh, When I think of like, I don't know, in Alcatraz, right? The Rock. That's yeah, the, the Rock. One. I was like, I like 
not Alcatraz, the movie, The Rock. <laughs> yeah, it's a similar that, idea. It's just that they don't go into very much I guess, detail in this case. They're just like, well, let's just keep things rolling. Well, and he's decided what's he's going to steal movie? these missiles. And the, now we're going to have a movie. He's like, well, moving what, on. What gets me about that is, you know, this is nearly a two-hour film. What, what was the runtime on it? Um, I think 148, if I remember. Yeah, like one hour, 48 minutes. So they, this is a long film. It's actually, in my opinion, about 45 minutes longer than it ever should be. Um, <laughs> Agreed. But, uh, you know, they did not have a good use of time uh, with this movie. So an hour and 48 minutes, you're telling me you couldn't tell us exactly the exact reason why John Travolta's character decided to do what he did. Uh, you you left us little right. clues and you expect us to just try to piece it together. And the only reason I can agree with uh, the assessment that I feel like it had to do with the political game being played in the military is because, you know, I've seen that firsthand. I mean, I was only in for six years. I wasn't an officer, uh, but I was only in for six years. And I saw a lot of good people just get so fed up with the system because of the way the system was treating them. In fact, I have my best friend now. He's still in the Navy. You know, he's he is considering getting out. He wanted to be a career guy. He wanted to be a lifer. But just with the, the bullshit that people have to go through in this situation, now he's just like kind of like, fuck it. Fuck you. Fuck everybody. I'm done. I don't think he's going to be... I, he's, he's not, not psychotic war, enough to steal warheads and you know try to hold a city for <laughs> ransom. But that's where John Travolta's character is definitely psychotic. He had to have been psychotic before that moment. But I, I really feel like everybody, even uh, psychotic people, have that pushing point to where how did we get from point a to point b well something happened and i i I just want to sit there and believe that that was probably the reason he finally decided hey i need to steal these warheads and hold a city for ransom yeah like he he really wants to also just blow something up yeah he definitely does he just wants to kill (laughs) somebody in the movie for sure he even he he even made a he made a he made a note of that he said i've never killed anybody directly before I just realized something. I never actually killed anyone before. I mean, I dropped bombs on Baghdad, but uh, never face to face. I don't know what the big deal is. I really don't. Let's start talking about just like how the kind of movie unfolds. It starts off with that epic shot. Like I say epic as in it wasn't epic, but what? Yeah. Like the above, above the boxing ring. Yeah. That was a that was a fun shot. It doesn't belong in this movie, but it's a fun shot. I thought that was like very dangerous of them to box without any uh, protective headgear on. I don't know what they're what they're Wait, doing over they there. They had mouth guards, didn't they? <laughs> I don't think so. Did they? No, because John Travolta's like uh, sitting there uh, and uh, heckling him pretty much the whole time, and yeah. you can hear him clearly, and you don't see a mouth guard in there. Yeah, no mouth guards, no headgear, just punching each other. Even though, like, he's kicking the shit out of Christian Slater in there. Yeah, he is. Wouldn't you suspect that John Travolta's got to have a bunch of height and weight on Christian Slater, though, right? Yeah, I'm not actually sure how tall he is, but he definitely comes off as taller in this movie than Christian Slater. Or Christian Slater is just really short. That could be, too. Yeah, I mean, so that fight, that boxing match is supposed to be, like, you know... A setup for how the whole movie is going to be right and then in the end is christian slater going to be able to defeat him yeah he's finally going to get to beat him at the end yeah gets the 20 dollar, the burned up 20 dollar bill at the very end <laughs> but yeah their ongoing wager that they have uh worth it 
I think that was a, just a little fun and interchange because it really sets up the relationship the two have uh, throughout the remainder of the movie. You know, John Travolta's always kicking his ass up and down, but, you know, it's all about building Christian Slater up to be the bigger guy. So that's why throughout the entire movie, he's like, ooh, Hale, I'm impressed. Ooh, I'm impressed. Ooh, you're still here? What yeah. the fuck? Like, you know, yeah, he was supposed yet. to be done by then. All right, so after that, that shot at the beginning, I mean... You get the it's flight. Just, you get it, them flying with that yeah, terrible CG landscape beneath them. Yeah, exactly. So they're flying their mission. Once they, you know, Travolta pulls his move and they've crashed and everything. Uh, it's not too long before Samantha Mathis uh, comes across Christian Slater. She's like a park ranger, right? She's out there mm-hmm. looking for some convoy of trucks that somebody had spotted. Ranging. And yeah. So they have like a little sort of fight for control of her, of her gun and stuff uh i kind of i kind of really like her in this movie she's i'm glad that like she gets to do almost as much as like christian slater does in terms of action and fighting and stuff like she's she's not just like tagging along for the ride she's like, involved with it yeah i liked it until she snuck onto that boat and then it was just totally fine they didn't find her on the boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> she just goes under yeah, i always thought that was kind of weird i mean it's not like uh, she hit herself under the tarp but you're you're not telling me that at one point they didn't rearrange anything on the boat or somebody didn't try to like kick her or didn't accidentally kick her or anything like that and yeah. then she manages to sneak off a little unbelievable I've never been in the Navy or anything, but I know that protocol for me when I get on a boat is I do kick everything to make sure there's not stowaways. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a small it's a small craft, yeah. so I mean, there, it's only three people getting on board, but you're telling me not one of them like stumbled Nobody's or like, anything hey, like that. She managed to remain still as they're going across the water. I, it's called lazy. It's called laser focus, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Then she's got it better Howie than most Long people. Howie Long is super focused on oh, driving. The Howie, boat. Long. He's not, Howie, yeah. Howie Long. Howie Howie Long. Yeah, we haven't talked about Howie Dro- Long at all. He drove straight into my heart in this movie. <laughs> well, originally he was supposed to die like near the beginning, but the Fox executives liked him so much they wanted him to last the whole movie. That sounds so on brand. The Fox executives liked Howie Long <laughs> so much, they kept him around. I mean, yeah. I thought he was pretty decent as a henchman in this movie. I mean, he's not, obviously, he's not some amazing thespian or anything, but uh, he does a he's decent enough job in his role, I thought. Waiting for him to sell me some T-Mobile or something. His gag of, like, uh, of constantly shooting at the nuke. Yeah. And John Travolta yeah. I mean, okay, more so and I like, more angry. I like that line. Please stop shooting at the thermonuclear weapon. Would you mind not shooting at the thermonuclear weapons? But I have a question about that. So in the beginning of the movie, when they're talking about, uh, you know, the nukes surviving the crash, they specifically go into detail about these nukes and how they can survive being in burning jet fuel for five hours and nobody has to worry about them setting off. But you're telling me you're worried about a few bullets being shot at it? So I, I agree with you. I think I, I thought that exact same thing, too. I think what this movie does, though, is it underestimates the audience to the point where the audience isn't going to be paid. They're going to have already forgotten about that scene or they're mm-hmm. not going to use like they're not going to extrapolate that information into bullets will also not hurt it. Like yeah. you're telling me that this thing can this thing can slam to the side of a mountain and it'll be OK. But like a bullet is going to set it well, off. I think they said the reasoning why is it has to be activated first. 
So if it's not activated, it can last five hours in burning jet fuel. But it's not act. It's still not activated. It the one that they're bringing into the mine where they're yeah, shooting at right. that one's activated. He's right. It's true. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I that one was activated when they were shooting at it, but it's still dumb. Even still, uh, <laughs> the only other thing I can think of is maybe it's because they removed it from its um, outer casing too. Like they actually right. took out the warhead itself from its casing. Maybe right. it's a little bit more vulnerable, but I'm still having a little bit of a hard time with that one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't exactly make sense in the movie. Like, geographically speaking, I'm still not sure how Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis catch up to them when they're getting to that boat, because they drove off in their Humvees or whatever from the mine shaft after it blew up, and then they come out some back end of it, and uh, well, they're somehow like just the, right there. The road. They have to drive like 15, 20 yeah. minutes to get to this boat. And they're like, oh, we're here now on foot. The, the road goes, it has to go around, right? And they just went over the mountain. <laughs> I, I guess. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's like, how long did you say this path was along this river? And she's like, three or four miles. He's like, good, we should be able to catch up to Deacons before he gets out of here. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> you know, I, you got to give her credit. She She's a really good park ranger. She knows every little detail about that park, including the abandoned mine that nobody goes into. Right. right, she knows about the abandoned mine. She knows how deep it is because he's like, "How yeah. many feet down is it? Can we blow up a bomb down there safely?" <laughs> and she's yeah. like, well, yes, then, "Yes, we but can." Slater's like a sleuth, though. You see him scoping out that new, that new lock. He's like, "Oh, what's <laughs> going on? This something. This something's site's been, been prepped." Here. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then what does she? St- he steps on. He steps on some type of like old, older than dirt. Dirt. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it takes like a hundred years to repair itself. Yeah. I didn't understand that really, but I mean, I'm sure it was important to somebody. (laughs) Graham Yost didn't put that in there for nobody. (laughs) Right. We haven't talked about the fact that Graham Yost wrote this script and did uh, Speed, then went on Mm. to create Justified later on. Justified, yeah. Gotta love Justified. I'm pretty sure he's involved in Perry Mason. Oh, is he? The new one? Yeah. Not the original? Not the original, no, no. He's a Canadian television screenwriter, Graham Yost. I didn't realize he was Canadian. I'm just looking at his stuff here. He made a show in uh, 2002 called Boomtown. Did you ever see this thing? I remember that name. No. Yeah, it was so like Neil McDonough, um, oh, yeah. Lana Pirelli, Jason, blah 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 blah. Oh, Donnie Wahlberg. It was actually a really good cop show. Didn't didn't last long or? No, it was. I think it was. T- it wasn't, um, you know, good Good shows don't last. No, if it's a good story and everybody loves it, it's going to get canceled. Yeah. Oh, man, Hard Rain? Fuck yeah. Yeah, so he wrote Hard Rain with also with Christian Slater, and I think it came oh, out the yeah. same year as this movie. Um, so he was, he was doubling down on the Slater back then. He has written and been a part of a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, but so this, I mean... There's a lot of stuff about... I mean, this is not a brilliant script. This is not a, a brilliant movie. But I, like you were saying earlier, Chuck, like it's true they don't necessarily make the best use of the time in terms of the way the movie is structured and in terms of like giving us maybe all the information we should have. But at the same time, I do feel like it's really fastly paced. I know, James, you're going to disagree with me probably. But I like there's, there's not a lot of downtime. Like you, they're they're moving on to each next 
piece and like thing that's going to become a set piece um in, in a pretty fast paced way I, I felt like anyway i mean i i just think they keep playing the same the same thing over and over again like there's not a lot of like right in the middle there's not a lot of development of characters or moving the story line around oh no i won't but, say uh, there's a lot of character development that's that's for sure well that's for the funny thing though is that this movie is all predicated on character development like that's the whole point of the movie like the only reason this movie is supposed to, the only way the good guys are supposed to win is if a character changes who they are right. and i don't buy it in any way like I, there's no tension there for me or is it all. supposed to be that just because travolta didn't see him for who he actually was um i don't know maybe but yeah but the, these guys these guys work together for how long is it supposed to yeah. be I don't know. It's supposed to be at least a few years, I think. So is is it just trying to say that Christian Slater, when push comes to su- uh, shove, he like rises to the to, to what's needed, and <laughs> Travolta didn't think he was capable of that? I guess. In five years, yeah. there was never a situation in which Christian Slater had to make a tough decision. He kept losing that boxing match because he knew that the boxing match didn't really matter. Remember, Travolta has that line about, uh, you know. He, that's why you lose because you're not playing for keeps or whatever you know the cheesy not playing to win or something like that yeah uh yeah so i think all that stuff's there it's just not very compelling i think and uh i am having more fun with the set pieces than i am with the character stuff other than travolta who i think is (laughs) like i said before like i think he's pretty fun in this (laughs) what i miss is i miss these chain smoking villains yeah, like, he does a lot of yeah. cigarette Travolta's always this. got the cigarette in his mouth. He's using it as like an extension of himself. Like there was a time when that was, you know, there's a couple actors like Bruce Willis was like that, where that was part of their thing mm-hmm. was that it wasn't just John Travolta. It was John Travolta smoking a cigarette. Yeah, in a John Travolta like way, <laughs> and I, I like that you brought that up because I really feel like John Woo did a really great job capturing that as well. He made the cigarettes pretty much their own characters so uh the the scene i'm thinking of is right there at the beginning after the boxing match before they're going to go meet with the uh the general you know john travolta's zipping up his flight suit you the cigarette is in view in his hand the entire time while he's zipping up and he's yeah. always taking these long drags yeah, off yeah, like yeah. exaggerated drags he's always got his I, I begin to wonder if he's actually ever smoked a cigarette in his entire life. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> um, because I'm just like, who holds a cigarette like that? No, I mean, come on, does. I'm a former smoker myself, and I'm just like, I don't remember ever being that exaggerated. But whatever. Sure, uh, it's but, fun uh, to watch, though. <laughs> it is fun to watch, and I really feel like you know, like you said, you miss those chain smoking uh, type of bad guys and stuff like that because they really did make um, the cigarette or the cigar or whatever they're smoking an extension of who they were. It was just as menacing as their words. It was just as menacing as their actions. Yeah. Chow Yun fat in, uh, in uh, hard boiled is yeah. also like that. It's a For huge sure. part of like his character, like the, the smoking and Gotta do I mean, some not cigarette to glorify work. smoking or anything like that. Yeah. But, I mean, as as a ex smoker who would start again today if I had the opportunity. Um, Agreed. <laughs> I mean, I think you uh, have the opportunity. It's just a matter of. Well, no, <laughs> I don't. The will. 
Uh, not with not, I don't I I can't even afford to do it with all the kids and the mortgage. <laughs> uh, but maybe I should start again. You convince them, Dustin. You've given me something to really think about, Dustin. <laughs> yeah, think about it. I think about it every time I smell somebody. Like, there's nothing like a freshly lit cigarette. Not to get it too far off topic here. But every time somebody <laughs> lights a cigarette, I'm just for? like, yes. Uh, I smoked for almost 10 years. Oh, yeah. Good times, guys. You do get a couple of the classic John Woo scenes, like the... Uh, the Christian Slater and John Travolta on either side of that like right, collapsed the, the mind, collapse, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're talking to each other, and then you also get at the beginning when the one guy that's paying for this whole operation is Pritchett. is like, yeah, like wh- where is he? Where is John Travolta? You know, and and then he comes slow motion over that like mound. Yeah, <laughs> I do they, like that scene. I kind of do like the weird score in this movie. The the little guitar, ding ding yeah. ding ding. Um, Almost has a, like a western type feel. Well, to that's it. the thing. This is kind of John Woo's western, right? Like it's in the yeah. desert. You have action on a train. You have action in an old mine shaft. Uh, yeah. So I think I think this is kind of his uh, version of a western in a way. Just with uh, all the horses Bob, and the cowboys. Bob Gunton, I think, is the actor you're talking about. Mm-hmm. John, the old guy. Uh, he was like the warden in the Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Uh, I like that bit where he finally, Travolta kills him with the flashlight, hitting him in the throat. And he's like, hush, yeah, I ex- hush. <laughs> oh, God. How does that gunship fit into your grand strategy? You don't know what you're doing, do you? This is out of control. I must have... <laughs> hush. Hush. Yeah, I did like that. I, I, I do like how cartoonishly villainous yeah. Travolta is. I mean, he's just, I don't know. I think I think his parts are all pretty fun. Uh, oh, you got me make... you got me turning around on this film, maybe. Yeah, yeah. They don't make a he's lot of, use to of the scores. Frank Whaley or Delroy Lindo, really, in this movie. Like, uh, Delroy Lindo seems like he's kind of going to be a bigger part of it and then just dies in that helicopter, blows up like they were... He gets shot and then they crash into like the mountainside oh, and it's going in the tunnel. Yeah, right above the tunnel. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say Frank Whaley. He just seems like he's gonna be more involved with the plot because he's the smart bureaucrat that has figured out like what's actually going on, and it feels like okay, that's gonna be more in a part of what the what the movie is doing. But then he just sort of disappears after that. Like he doesn't really have much to do after that. It's a shame because, you know, Delroy Lindo and Frank Whaley, they are great actors. And, you know, if you give them the opportunity to shine, they're going to shine. Uh, they just didn't really get, have that opportunity. Same thing with, um, oh, I can't think of his name, uh, Kurtwood Smith. He's right. the guy who plays uh, the chief of staff, you know. And, of course, know him as Red Foreman. I want him to just go around saying, I'm going to put my foot so far up your ass, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but you got all these great actors in there, and they just didn't really have an opportunity. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a bad guy. He's just playing Who, a very, Smith? Yeah, Kerwood Smith. He's just playing a very typical, like, government, whatever. Like, I don't know if he's supposed to be a general or what, but he's not. Well, I'll tell you why I think I, I thought he was going to be bad. It's because, uh, like, Garrett or whatever comes in, mm-hmm. and he's uh, is like, actually, guys, I think because of this convoluted thing that I don't understand, um, <laughs> we should actually tell the truth. And then he's like, How'd you get this far or whatever? Yeah, and it was kind of a weird moment. Yeah, and then he pulls him aside and actually seems to believe him. 
Yeah, which well, he actually, says, okay, we'll go with his plan then. I know, but that actually is usually a sign that they're a bad guy. Because when somebody actually trusts the person that's saying the right thing, it's mm. usually a sign that they're bad. Because good people do the wrong thing, especially when they're a government employee. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Kind of yeah. going back to like that. So like usually that's an indication that, okay, we're setting this up for like there's more people involved. But this was actually just a good employee and a good boss with a good working relationship doing the right thing, which is just like doesn't make any sense. I do get the impression that maybe there was more of a storyline there that was cut. And then instead they went with the scene uh, where Delroy Lindo's like, and now I'm going to just disobey those orders and allow you to keep being here because he's supposed to send Christian Slater back to the base or back to whatever. And then instead Delroy Lindo's like, Glad you understand what orders are because now I'm gonna break mine. <laughs> like, and it's supposed to be this, ah. like, yeah, moment. <laughs> it, it falls pretty flat. I do find that that one guy, that the Frank Whaley guy, he uh, he says stuff that he connects things together that I don't know how he even gets there. Like, because we know stuff because we're watching what's <laughs> happening. But he seems to just be able to think, oh, this is what's going on, just out of nowhere. He has he's, no context of anything. Man. There's, they, needed, they needed, like, the smart guy. They needed the Dr. Sheldon Cooper uh, in the story. I'm sorry, who, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I have no... What is that? Is that a person in your hometown? No, uh... Oh, are you being serious? <laughs> he knows damn well who it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, you need that smart guy. You know, it, it worked in Armageddon. You know, Jason Isaac's playing, you know, the all-knowing guy who's figuring everything out and how to solve this problem. Uh, you got to have that guy. And just inexplicably, he knows. He just knows. He can put the clues together. And all of a sudden, he well, he's, he's there. Yeah, he's like almost like. Jeff Goldblum yeah. from Independence Day. Jeff Goldblum. Sure. That's another. That's another thing, except slightly bigger role and a little bit more iconic. Uh, but yeah. Uh, well, where are we at, like plot-wise? We get to the. We we had the boat scene. We did. We talked about the mine a bit. There, there's Wanna some pretty get on good, the train? you know, classic John Woo moments. The the jumping forward in slow motion with two handguns firing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. the, you know the kind of stuff you expect from. I mean, I gotta be honest. I am a sucker for the John Woo action stuff even now watching it it's still uh it's just my just gets to me in a way that a few other action directors know how i don't know why i just always have loved the way he shoots his action stuff so even in this movie where it's not the greatest movie uh i I enjoyed most of the action quite a bit it's definitely fun at times it's just it 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 doesn't grip me and like hold me and like I, it's not projecting me forward. I don't think that to the point where like you guys are saying like the pacing is is good. I find that like the downtime just kills everything for me. Like I'm just like, okay, I can look away for a couple minutes now because nothing matters. Yeah, but is that because the? I mean, that's because now we're listening to Christian Slater talk and he's not very interesting. <laughs> then, but it's, I don't think it's Christian Slater's stuff. fault. What's that? I don't think it's Christian Slater's fault though. I think that's the, the well, problem with they, the movie. He doesn't have good dialogue to deliver. Usually. Yeah. It's the, it's the filmmaking at that point. Like they're not giving Christian Slater. Like I don't blame Christian Slater for what happened. Like I think he does an adequate job with what he's been given. Oh, I'm not saying he's bad in the movie. I'm just saying. His Why do you hate Christian Slater so much, Dustin? 
Like they didn't write his character to be terribly. They didn't give him a lot to work with. No, they didn't. And I think that that's at the detriment of the film. Whereas they gave John Travolta, I think well, either almost they, the either perfect they gave amount. Travolta or he or he like created some of that for himself. I don't know. Well, it's interesting cuz Travolta had the choice of playing whichever um character he wanted and he chose obviously the the bad guy but so i have a question uh about this so last is it this year or last year um the revelations came out about uh the actors in the fast and the furious franchise uh specifically um the rock vin diesel and uh what's his name statham english boy yeah statham (laughs) like and how they have to win a certain amount of fights mm-hmm. uh, cer- certain actors can't be the bad guy like the rock can't be the bad guy and i think we discussed it when that came out how like did i believe this is at the detriment of their act of their career like right. to they're to pl- not play the bad guy very, to, very safely yeah to play safe whereas i think that they travolta want to actually yeah whereas i think travolta actually like shows that he I don't know, it's, it almost shows more of a confidence in himself that he's willing to play the bad guy, that he's willing to do these things. I don't know. Do you yeah, think this I mean, is a, came, it's a benefit? The, he's coming off the high of Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty, right, at this point. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm back. And he's you can tell he's feeling comfortable and confident in what he's doing, even if it is bananas, right? <laughs> which, which makes it, I think, pretty <laughs> fun to watch. Uh Whereas, I mean, Christian Slater it was never a massive star, really, right? Like, he well, no, he no. was doing all right there for a while f- for himself, for sure. But wasn't what, like what a I think I is, movie, really. My question, I think, is is more to like, do you think that like I'll ask Chuck, do you think that these modern action stars should be giving up more of themselves to do more of the bad guy work of like taking different roles? Do you think that would be benefit them? Yes, and no. Uh, I really feel like uh, they need the ability to branch out a little bit more outside of what they're uh, doing, only just to hone their craft. I mean, as an actor, you don't want to be locked into just one thing for the rest of your life. Sure, it's comfortable and you're great at doing it, but is that really making you a tremendous actor or is that just really making you a tremendous type of actor? You know, let's broaden the scope a little bit. At the same time, it's easier to maintain a fan base too if you're a certain type of actor so you know let's take john travolta for example he plays a villain in a lot of things but then people who love him for that aren't going to turn around and maybe watch a movie like a civil action or something like that where he's not playing a villain it's a little bit more subdued or anything they're going to real they're going to be like oh well this is boring this is not the john travolta i like so it could be a good thing for them acting wise but it could also be a detriment to their career and you know to go on that whole fast and furious um take uh more specifically the rock the rock chooses to have that type of persona he doesn't want to be the bad guy he doesn't want to uh he wants to always have that strong sense of character no matter what he's playing and that's just that's that's his niche that's what he's always done except for the god-awful scorpion king um you know that's what he that's him 
that's a, that's what he's comfortable in doing and unfortunately it's going to and it's going to run its course for him if he's not willing to branch out a little bit more john travolta has branched out beyond uh playing the villains but again like i said he's got that fan base that won't follow him from movie to movie if he keeps changing up the type of roles he does well, that's kind of interesting, and maybe this is going on too long, and this will get cut. But <laughs> I, I want to follow up on that one question, that one thing you said, where, uh, and maybe eventually he'll have to change. Yeah. So, if you're an actor like The Rock, mm-hmm. are you being a villain for the first time on your own terms, or are you going to wait until the industry has almost passed you by, and you have to take the role as the villain? That's a very interesting question because it really could go either way. If he's smart, it would be on his own terms. Like the right role has come along where he's like, okay, I will be the villain here because it's still going to make him look good. It's going to be a opportunity for him to stretch a little bit. It's not going to be a generic villain. It's not going to be anything like that. Um, I'd like to call it the Bond villain. It's going to be a theatrical villain. Uh, in a way, and that's what The Rock would. I truly think yeah. that's what The Rock would do for his first villainous role. It should never comes enough. down to the "I'm desperate" role. Yeah, I think he's smart enough to know he's going to have to do that at some point, and to you know to be smart about picking that moment. Yeah. I honestly feel like he's just going to keep the way he's going, and eventually he's going to make a transition into politics. Is what he's his plan is. I feel. Yeah, I get James that feeling thinks- too. Yeah, you've brought this up before. You think that The Rock's goal is to go be the first CFL player to ever be president <laughs> of Amer- America. I, I think his his goal is to eventually be the president. Chuck, do you know what the CFL is? Canadian Football League? I have no idea. Yes, yes it is. It. it is okay, the cool. Football League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, didn't didn't The Rock just buy out play. the was... XFL or something like that? Yeah, yeah he, he did. Uh, from what I understand, he's looking at to turn that into a feeder league for the NFL, mm-hmm. where players can come out of high school and go to the XFL instead of going to college, so they can have a a, a way of getting paid right away, and then make it to the NFL, which oh, is man, actually a pretty kill college football. I don't like that at all. You don't like co- kill college football? Yeah, I feel like that would just kill college football. I think that's the goal. I think that's I'm, goal I'm not happy with that. <laughs> oh, well, you should tell that's those other, colleges to start paying their their employees. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to the movie. Which we all of us have a favorite scene. I actually like the scene on the train. It's going to be the most random scene. Uh, it's the one where um, Samantha Mathis is uh, in there, and she's going to take on the guy who's working on the nuclear warhead. Yeah. And I just love that little fight scene, and it, it just the way it ends with her just throwing the hammer at him and just hits yeah. him in the forehead, and he's down for the count. And it just it's cheesy lines that he's, he's feeding her the whole time, but... I think that's what makes that particular scene kind of epic. It's the the way he f- is taken down by something so insignificant after he's just touted himself being this awesome, awesome yeah. person who can't be taken down. I mean, it is a funny scene, too, because he's just like, bet you thought I was a computer nerd, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's awesome, but uh, she showed him. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that, and that goes back to what I was saying about uh, her getting to be in on the action quite a bit in the movie. 
Uh, and that, yeah, for sure, I think that's fun. She just, like, brains him with that fucking hammer. <laughs> I thought, I, I forgot, I was thinking that the, the claw end was going to have gone into his head or something when she threw it. I didn't realize throwing a hammer like that can kill somebody. Well, I, I think it could. Well, I mean, I've yeah, been hit in the face with a hammer. Not, not, not that Yeah, end. but you are a tough son of a bitch. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's, this isn't some type of humble brag. But, like, I'm with James. I don't think that would... I don't even think that would knock him out. I mean, it'd probably knock him to the ground, you know. Yeah. And, and then she'd have to use the hammer on him. But. I agree. There's a sense of sensationalism to the scene, but I still find it to be... I fun. don't know. I understood this was based on true events. <laughs> <laughs> It's this a pretty is based John on the, the Broken moment. Arrow incident of 1987. Well, if it were based on true events, it definitely would not have been called Broken Arrow because Broken Arrow is the incorrect term for a situation like this. Oh, school us. What's the right. correct term? It's like All right, so I, I was hoping we were going to get to a point to talk about this because... Um, happen. So the phrase Broken Arrow is um, actually used to... Uh, talk about an incident report where a U.S. nuclear weapon has actually detonated but doesn't create a risk of a nuclear war so what's happening in the movie is you're talking about the theft loss seizure of a nuclear weapon or its components and they refer to that as an empty quiver so the whole idea is somebody has taken something out of our possession empty quiver or you've had an accident where the arrow was launched in this situation but there were no casualties from it broken arrow Oh, Say nice. what you will about the military industrial complex, but they've got some cool <laughs> terms. Yeah. I mean, but let's be honest. Broken Arrow is a better title for an action movie than Empty Quiver. Yeah, nobody's yeah. going to go see a movie Empty called Quiver, Empty Quiver. Empty Quiver is about a guy who's just got divorced from a loveless marriage, discovers Viagra, and finds himself. <laughs> That's Empty Quiver. That's cool, though. That's, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I like, And I guess that just goes to the fact that, like, I, I, has that? I wonder if that's changed. In, in like in 1996, that wasn't an easily look upable thing. Yeah, you know, you could just say whatever you wanted about stuff. But nowadays, I wonder if they would have changed the name because obviously you can just look anything up now. No, no, I still think the name would have stayed Broken Arrow because, like we said, that's a better name to sell for an action movie versus Empty Quiver. Um, if they didn't like the term Broken Arrow, they would have just found some other name to call it. And then just kind of talked about the fact that maybe it was called an empty quiver throughout the movie somewhere. Oh, you know, empty quiver should be a movie actually in the Olympus has fallen franchise. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, it's like the one where he's just like, it's like gone fishing. It's like the, uh, the buddy comedy. Jeez. Uh, James, did you have a favorite scene? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's uh, a few like, moments like when he's you know diving headfirst shooting like moments like that that i i enjoy but i'd say overall scene would also be on the train it would be uh where christian slater ties that one body up and then he, oh, he yeah. swings it down on the one side and then he goes on the other side and says heads up or yeah, here he i like come incoming or something like incoming that. <laughs> yeah like you announce yourself what like <laughs> and, and then and then there's that um that fight with travolta at the end where you hear you know lions and tigers roaring yeah that's really weird 
there's like these all these like sound effects. I don't know I don't know what the the purpose of that is it just supposed to be like their fierce lions yeah I think it's just supposed to be symbolic more than anything right okay what's funny is I don't remember ever noticing that in the past when I've watched this movie uh but I I it's really stood out to me this time for some reason yeah yeah, there's a lot of things that during this rewatch, I guess I never noticed as a kid or being younger watching this movie. And then as I'm watching it now, like, holy crap. So, yeah, I did. Know, I happened to notice those roars, too. And I'm just like, so I, I just immediately took it as, oh, it's symbolic. They're they're fighting over territory. They're fighting to be who's going to be the alpha. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Alpha lion. That's basically what it is. So so I would say that would be my favorite scene. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I like I do kind of like Travolta's death <laughs> with the missile like, <laughs> flying into him and sending him just like just flying into smiling. all those gas cans or whatever. That yeah, yeah, I mean it definitely suits the movie for sure. Yeah, uh, a lot of explosions in this movie too. Like helicopters are blowing up left and right in this thing because you got the EMP scene, uh, scene right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, where the chopper goes down. Uh, Christian Slater shoots that one copper copter pilot through that through the like glass uh like bottom of it yeah Yeah. that's a good shot with that handgun that revolver to be able to make that shot uh i know and there's not a lot of accuracy with that type of revolver either so yeah for sure that's really awesome (laughs) but that's just a john woo thing like it doesn't matter (laughs) that he's got a gun that he would never be able to make that shot with but yeah, there's a lot of great explosions in it. I like Howie Long when uh, Travolta's like, ah, fuck him if they can't take a joke, and he decides he's going to set off the, the, the last bomb and just die. <laughs> and Howie yeah. Long's like, turn that some bitch off or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> he's like, no, yeah, I, I didn't die. sign up for this. So I actually have a question about Howie Long's death. All right, so he got kicked out of the train, and yeah. he fell off the bridge down into this river, Depending on how deep that river is, do you think he could have survived that? <laughs> I mean, in real life, no, but in a movie like this, yes. <laughs> so I thought about that. I was like, I wonder if his death is supposed to be just something um, that kind of is open-ended. Did he actually die? Is is there going to be a sequel and he comes back? You yeah, know? he's the villain in the sequel. <laughs> hey, I'd watch that. Well, they did. he did try to have an action movie career after this. He, I remember he was in this really bad movie called Firestorm, where he was like the main... Uh, we, man, maybe we should do it on the show at some point <laughs> if, if, if we can even find it. But yeah, I remember renting Firestorm starring Howie Long. That's okay. I'm glad his action career didn't pan out. He can just stay a Fox analyst. He's great in this. <laughs> I guess I'm alone in thinking so. <laughs> I mean, he he's actually not that bad. No, he's not as as a henchman. Yeah, I got no yeah, problems. Henchman is the right role, though. I'm not sure that lead is the is the right role for him. He's probably yeah. one of the best side characters in this movie. So this movie came out uh, the weekend of February 9th to 11th, uh, domestic week six, 1996. Broken Arrow is in the top ten. Chuck, where do you think Broken Arrow landed? Damn, I, I'm gonna say probably in the top ten, probably in the fourth position. Not a lot of trust in broken arrow <laughs> james uh i'm gonna say um i don't know christian slater wasn't wasn't he kind of hot at this moment in I think time? they both were yeah so think, i'm gonna say two yeah i think we're we're looking more at the christian slater dwindling <laughs> yeah and john travolta probably at the peak 
Oh, I was just saying, I was saying number one because Travolta is hot at this time. Like he's a big deal again right now. So this movie does come in at number one with fifteen oh. and a half million dollars. It's a hit, at least for the the for the week. Um, rounding up the top ten though are uh, White Squall. Oh yeah. So this is number going from ten to to one. White Squall, Sense and Sensibility, Bed of Roses. I don't know what that is. Uh, Beautiful Girls. Dead Man Walking, leaving Las Vegas with his with his uh, partner there. Uh, the juror, former number one from last week, Black Sheep. <laughs> and moving from number three to number two, Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, Bed, Bed of Roses is another Christian Slater movie. Is it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it is too. Two movies in the top ten. He was killing it. All right. What was I saying? I should have said that. I shouldn't have said anything about Slater. <laughs> well, I don't think cool. Rose those are some good movies, though, movie. in that list. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, 1996 is a good year. Uh, White Squall, I remember being entertaining, but I haven't seen it in forever. I love White Squall. It is a great film. I just rewatched it again, baby, a couple months ago. Was that that well, yeah. Scott Wolf in it? Didn't it? Yeah, and a, like a young Ryan Felipe, and uh, you got Jeff Bridges in it. It's a great movie. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm just looking up here at the top 90 grossest movies of 1996, and a little callback here to an earlier mention. We got Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, The Rock, Ransom, The Night Professor, The Birdcage, 101 Dalmatians, A Time to Kill, and at number 10, the most profitable movie of 1996 is... The First Wives Club. That's nice. a damn good list. <laughs> I saw Twister in the theater a lot of times. My yeah, little, I think I went two or my three times brain to see was Twister. Like melted by that movie. How'd they make that cow look that real? <laughs> that cow. <laughs> my parents took me to see Twister, and I remember having nightmares about tornadoes for many, oh, many really? weeks. And I lived in a part of Texas where we didn't get tornadoes. So I don't know why I was ever scared of them, but whatever. Uh, the funny thing about Twister is Helen Hunt turned down the role in Broken Arrow to be in Twister. Yeah, right. She turned down the Samantha Mathis part. Yeah. Good choice for her. And look at her now. <laughs> She's nobody. <laughs> she is an Oscar winner, though. Samantha Mathis is not. Cool, guys. So let's give these ratings. Let's start with you, Chuck. So my reaction to this is um, a seven. So no matter what we've talked about this movie, I uh, it's still a movie that entertains me and it's one I'm going to go back and rewatch over and over and over again, just because uh, I do like it very much. And then my overall score out of everything was 6.4. Uh, so my reaction is a five and overall 5.2. Um, I don't have any nostalgia to this movie or any, I would say hard target is my go-to John Woo movie. Uh, if this was on TV, I might watch it for a little bit, but it probably wouldn't stay to the end. My reaction was a six, and my overall score ends up being a six point two. Uh, yeah, not as I don't love it as much as I did when I was younger, but I still found it to be pretty entertaining. Uh, definitely not my go-to John Woo. It's hard boiled. Always will be hard boiled. But uh, and yeah, definitely I prefer Hard Target to this movie, no doubt. Even Face Off, I have to admit, is overall probably a more entertaining movie uh there's just so much more going on but i i still think this is pretty fun for what it is yeah i so i overall uh sorry i gave this movie a five and overall it's a 5.2 uh it's got a couple scenes that are interesting i if it was on tv i'd probably 
watch it for enough time to see like one Travolta smoking a cigarette scene <laughs> and then I'd move on um, I don't have go to John Woo movie Ugh. Face Off or Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> <laughs> so overall this movie because it's a 5.8 which puts that which is funny because because we have a guest that likes this movie it ends up being just ahead of Face Off Wow, I had a face-off. So it's our new number 73, right in between The Last Boy Scout and Face-Off. Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, I would probably reverse the order face-off in this, but uh, it, I'm not going to you know, Wow, I sleep skewed that, it. didn't I? That's totally cool. That's why we have guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, and it's written in stone forever now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till uh, movie historians study this episode later in life. They're like, geez, what were these guys thinking? Oh, they're going oh, like, to no. look at this list and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, they're going to be like, white dudes with beards had a lot of free time in 2020. <laughs> they sure did. Every one of them had a podcast. Um, well, Chuck, where can we get uh, more from you? What, what, where, where can we find you? Uh, I'm extremely active on Instagram. Just uh, look up Chuck Goes to the Movies. I'm on there constantly. I do have a Twitter account. I post new stuff to it every once in a while. Uh, but uh, basically, Instagram is going to be that top one to catch me at. And then everything is also copy posted onto Facebook. So, yeah, look me up. Chuck Goes to the Movies. I'm on all major platforms uh, as well as for finding my actual show and individual episodes. And, uh yeah, go out there and give, uh, give me a listen, guys. I hope we're entertaining for everybody. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate having you on. And yeah, thanks, you can man. find us at Letterboxd Action Action Podcast and actionactionpodcast.com. Instagram, Action Action Podcast. And we'll see you next week.